Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm here again with Peter Mortimer. Uh, Mike is out. He's driving home, actually, from Las Vegas back to Utah before the snowstorm hits. But Pete, how's it going? How's uh, how's it coming back from New Zealand? Oh, it's uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, you know, just coming around, uh, a little tired still, but just got thrown back into work and then pacing, crewing all weekend at Black Canyon for some of my athletes. And, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's like this was my first normal night's sleep last night. And uh, so I'm starting to come around and happy to be, you know, back in the throw of things, getting back to running and, uh, you know, and then we have a giant snowstorm approaching. So hopefully some more skiing. Nice. That'll be good for your recovery, right? Get off the feet and onto the skis. Oh yeah. That's, I, I think I've done more skiing this season than running. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. And you guys are like way over your snowpack for the year, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. So we're, it's supposed to snow for the next four days. So I'm, I'm uh, preparing for hunkering down. Nice. Maybe you can just ski out of your door. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've seen people <laughs> ski down the streets of flag before. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Even though I don't ski, I think that's pretty cool. Oh, it's, it's so fun. It's so fun. You got to do it. Yeah, I'll think about it. I remember last time I was at your, not last time I was at your house, but for New Year's that one time a couple of years ago, and it was like 10 degrees outside. And I was just like, nah, like I'll, I'll run on your treadmill. That sounds way better than anything you guys were going to do that day. It'll be minus five tomorrow morning. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm already mentally preparing for that going into work. Oh, it's brutal. You have to call in your Starbucks order a little bit early, I guess. That's right. Or they won't even be open. <laughs> That's probably likely. <laughs> when it when it snows here, it's generally like they just the town shuts down. They're like, yeah, we're not we're not doing this. Yeah, everyone goes to ski instead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, how was Tarwara? Because just thinking of like how cold it is now in Flag and everything, like you chose to run the Tarwara hundred mile or not the hundred k, which most people do, and that's their summer down there. So, what was that like going from? wintry flagstaff to pretty warm and humid down in new zealand it was uh absolutely gorgeous down there um the temperature ranges you know about 70 to 75 degrees um but and even at night didn't even really drop that much below 70 so it was pretty pretty stable the entire time sunny um except for the last couple of days we were there we got caught in that tropical cyclone so they had to ground all the flights and uh we drove in for a bit and uh just kind of enjoyed our extra extra two days but um yeah it was absolutely fantastic over there uh it was it was kind of a shock coming home landing in flagstaff on the snow and like being blinded by that much white (laughs) after seeing nothing but green for the previous nine days that's funny. I was talking to Hayden. We did a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago because he ran the 100K. And um, I was telling, I was like talking to him about it. I was like, yeah, last time I was there, it was just like dry. And it felt like like Northern California during Western States time. But then he reminded me that like, oh yeah, like I was there during a drought and that's why it was so dry. And because like nothing was really green when I was there. It was just like, like it was literally just like Auburn or something with a coastline. Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of nuts because I didn't realize they had a storm like just days prior upon landing there and the city of Auckland was basically underwater so and then to to get that little notice about the cyclone moving in and then they're dealing with it again I'm like oh man these guys are just getting hit hard um and the you know I went out and uh, ran up Mount Doom (laughs) or towards Mount Doom on uh, the day after the cyclone and they're all the roads were like had down trees and just going on the trail was just I was doing my own little trail maintenance like moving like giant branches aside and it was <laughs> it was nuts the, the winds were up to like you know 70 80 miles an hour so everything was getting torn apart oh man I bet when the few times I went up there to the Mount Doom area like I don't, what's it actually called because Mount Doom is what it's called in Lord of the Rings right yeah so um so <laughs> Uh, the Tongariro crossing is that's what right. goes across. And um, so that's where we went up and uh, I took my, you know, girlfriend Siska up there and there was literally no one else on the mountain. <laughs> of course, the winds were still around like 50 miles an hour. So <laughs> I don't think anyone in their right mind wanted to. And then I got a bunch of rain up there as well. But uh, it was I had to do it. It was, you know, it was an experience. Oh, that's awesome. man. when I was there a couple of years ago, um I was coming down I think and it was right after Tarawara like a day or two after 
and I saw Pat Reagan just running up. I was yeah. like, dude, you just ran like this massive race, and here you are running up Mount Doom area. Like, it's so yeah. funny. I, I think that's probably the same for most athletes that head over there. It's like you go and do this race, but there's so many trails to run, and you just, you know, you don't get an opportunity like that once in a while. So yeah, you gotta take advantage of it. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, let's um get into what we're gonna chat about. So Mike, who is not here, um, him and I were chatting about. Like, obviously, we talk a lot about diet. That's like 95% of what we talk about. But um, you basically follow the same type of diet as we do as far as like a lower carb, um, not a lot of like breads and that sort of thing. So do you kind of want to like just kind of go through your your average diet? Yeah, I'm uh, basically meat and vegetables guy uh, for the most part. Um, I eat a lot of steak, chicken thighs, some chicken breasts, salmon, um, and then vegetables i generally stick to cruciferous vegetables such as you know cauliflower broccoli brussels sprouts um and i i do eat you know potatoes and some starches every once in a while but it really kind of depends on where i'm at in my training block um for the heavier days i definitely will put a little um bit more carbs into my diet the the day before knowing that i'm going to be out in the mountains for like five or six hours um but i always run fasted uh, I generally will not take anything for the first few hours um, besides uh, Vespa, um, you know, which only has like five grams of carbs and 18 calories. It's just kind of a, you know, fat metabolizer booster. Um, and yeah, that during, during my regular runs outside, I'm always bringing spring gels. That's kind of my go-to as far as gels are concerned, um, just because it's made from, you know, real, real food and, um, the carbon take is actually a lot lower um, compared to like goos and everything else out there, which pretty much just wreck my stomach. <laughs> yeah, um, same. But I, I, I don't, you know, I, I do eat like good stuff like pizza and ice cream from time to time. Generally, after a race, I after a race, I'll abstain from that stuff for like the first couple of days and then I'll start eating some good food once in a while. But um, that's generally only for about a week afterwards. And then my stomach just starts turning. Like, what are you, you're poisoning me. <laughs> and uh, I'm quick to like, all right, you know, fun's over. And I just go back to my usual diet. And um, it, I love the way it makes me feel. I, you know, I have tons of energy. I don't have the ups and downs every day. Um, I'm generally just in a much better mood when I'm just sticking to my diet plan. Um, and then again, like I said, the, things like pizza and everything, unless it's like a sourdough crust, if I'm eating, uh, you know, bread of some sort, I absolutely pay for it the next day. Yeah, that's understandable. Well, that's like definitely an ideal situation, like when you're at home or whatever, but like traveling to New Zealand, you were there for what, like two weeks or so? Uh, nine days, but nine days. yeah, okay. it's anytime I travel overseas, I'm, I'm kind of have to be realistic with what I have. I mean, I, I was eating, you know, mostly meat and vegetables while I was over there. But at the same time, um, I'm a man of the UK. I love my meat pies, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sausage rolls and little pastries, you know, savory pastries. And um, they were uh, plentiful over there. You can find them anywhere. So I just, you know, I did uh, maybe had a few more than I should have, but totally worth it (laughs) that's funny um yeah it is hard though like i remember being over there and it's just like okay i want to avoid gluten all these things and it's like you go into a place and everything's like oh we're gonna have a meat pie or whatever you're just like well i guess it's what it is but on the other hand though it's like they have some amazing steak and lamb you can get oh yeah yeah i um i i love lamb uh so that was plenty over there and um the beef too like what i've noticed about i mean you you recommended getting a steak over there which i did (laughs) <laughs> um, very much like getting it back here a lot of grass-fed beef over there and um so the meat just tastes different yeah i remember when i was there like i was telling you um we went to like some i don't know it was like a last minute option or some like sports bar thing we're just like oh great like this is get something to eat because we're starving and we're busy and we went in they had some like special and it was like i think like 12 dollars for that and i remember what else came with it and it was an amazing steak it was like grass-fed and grass-finished and i was like how is this at a sports bar and I'm getting yeah. this amazing steak where even here in the States, it's like you go to a nice steakhouse and it's just kind of traditionally raised meat. Yeah, I'll I'll per- very rarely go out for a steak out in the U.S. Um, just because I make a mean one. So I'm I'm happy with, you know, obviously the cost difference too of 
spending $80 for like a, a primo steak out, you know, in a nice steakhouse versus I could spend this, you know, 20 to 25 bucks and do the same thing at home. Yeah, like for real. And if you know how to grill or like even smoke properly, you can get some of these lower end cuts of meat and it's like, it's incredible. You can just make burgers out of it and like they're way better than you can get at a steakhouse. Absolutely. And hopefully you can speak for my cooking. <laughs> been over a few times. Oh yeah, dude. That last long run we did together, what was that like probably three or four weeks ago now? Yeah. Like that food we had, af- had after at Dylan's house was pretty incredible. So that was yeah. good. <laughs> that was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Um, let's speak then. The main thing I want to talk about was like race day fueling. Um, cause that's what Mike and I have been chatting a lot about recently. And we've been trying all these different things and it's like, ideally we want to figure out something that's actual real food. I know spring is pretty real, but you can't just eat spring gels for a hundred miles. So I got a curiosity, what did you do like for your race day fueling? And then does that dif- does that differ than like what you do back home? Um, I, I so I try and eat as much regular food as I can. Uh, I, I try and stay away from all the sweets. Um, but the, you know, there it was just kind of well. Again, what am I going to have? And most of the aid stations were pretty well stocked. Um, you know, they'd have uh, salted potatoes and um, uh, oranges and, and like bananas, that sort of thing. So I generally try and stick with fruit. Um, they, had, they had a bunch of grapes and <laughs> I. I would throw a bunch in my pocket, pocket grapes, uh, every time I come to <laughs> pocket grapes and throw them in. And I just kind of munch on those. And those are great because literally, unless you like fall and they squish all over the place, they don't, they don't get all sticky and nasty. So it was easy to just kind of pop them as I go. But um, yeah, fruit for the most part. And then uh, they did have Domino's pizza <laughs> at, at one point. And uh, so I had a slice of pepperoni Domino's pizza, but again, it's, I'm much, you know, I, I just try and stick to the, the regular food as much as possible. Yeah, I'm curious about the Domino's pizza there. Cause I know like, like in Europe, for example, a lot of things are banned that are allowed to be in food here in the States. So like Oreos are different in say France than they are here. Right. So I wonder what the ingredient list would be like in a Domino's pizza there versus here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if their crust was any different to me. It tasted, you know, I like, when you're that far in a race, I think I was like mile 70 or something. It just, it didn't really matter. <laughs> I was more like focused on the pepperoni part of it than, you know, I just grabbed a slice of the most pieces of pepperoni. And, um, but yeah, generally like a lot of the ingredients that are banned over here are, or I mean, banned over there, they, that's what they shove in your food over here. So, um, that's why a lot of things, you know, will taste different. Um, you know, if you like chocolate, for example, like the, the Cabri's chocolate um, over here is actually distributed by Hershey's and has about twice as much sugar pumped into it, you know, as, as opposed to like the Cabri's overseas. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Cabri's chocolate, but I won't touch this stuff over here. Yeah. I don't blame you. What's kind of funny about that, though, just to kind of like, not necessarily be a devil's advocate, but just like a funny story is like when I was in, I think it was Australia or New Zealand, I ordered a cold brew coffee and I just assumed it would be a black cold brew. Cause they're like, what do you want? I was like, just a cold brew and they brought it out and it, had, it was cold brew with two scoops of ice cream in it and I was just like oh my gosh like this is not what I wanted <laughs> it was like a milkshake almost <laughs> does sound good though oh it was because it was like a thousand degrees I just thought it was funny though because everyone's like oh Americans eat so much sugar and then here I am in Australia and they're dumping ice cream in my my black coffee <laughs> yeah well I think too you know like New Zealand I don't feel has their own uh like I mean, not that I saw a whole other own delicacies that they kind of offer the public. Um, so when you go out to eat, everything is kind of a, a mix of Indian food, uh, lots of fish and chips. And, um, but yeah, like they did have like American takes on things, which I'm always kind of interested to, to see their version of, you know, how, how they approach it. Yeah, I had some pretty terrible Mexican food when I was there. Yep. Well, yeah. you know, everyone always says go to New Zealand for Mexican <laughs> that's what they say right yep. <laughs> oh that's funny well like what are your thoughts that on like on like rice for fueling because i know a lot of people say that rice is a good starch because it's just essentially just pure carbs so like, do you ever like incorporate rice into your training when you're back home or or when you're racing yeah actually generally when i'll have a, a carb heavy day, i love sushi so that's kind of my go-to i think sushi is great digestible i've had it during races um i think 
Orcas Island in like 2018. Um, they, I was running and they had a, a sushi aid station. <laughs> and at first I was like, I don't know about this. And then uh, next thing you know, like the fatty in me is like every lap. I'm just like nomming on all this sushi. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it kept me going. And it, it is just, it, it's easy to digest, goes down, you know, pretty well. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like essentially just a lot of like healthy fats and protein with a bunch of carbs. So like, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a mango sushi, I think it was, as well as like mango on top, which I love mango, and I was I was in heaven. <laughs> oh my gosh, I could eat that all day. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to to your hundred. Then can we kind of like break down the day, like? What did you do like pre-race, I guess? Or let's, let's go back even further. Like the night before the race, what did you do for dinner that night? And then how did you feel? Uh, dinner the night before, I did my usual uh, steak and broccoli. And because uh, I just figured it was, you know, I, I've been doing that for years. Um, I try to throw a little starch in there if I can, like loaded down with sour cream and, and butter. But um, that's, I've been doing that for years and it, it's always worked. Um, the day of it, it was really weird because i think that was my earliest race start what I time started, did you guys start um we were supposed to start at 4 a.m um but zach miller's bus was running behind <laughs> a couple of the buses including mine got lost that morning um i don't know if it's uh iron man still trying to work out some kinks uh taking over the world series but um yeah it's we started ended up starting at 4 20 uh, but you know that we were up at i was up at 2 a.m and you know driving to the shuttle at 2 30 and then you know it's like half hour shuttle rides and then you stand around for an hour and 20 minutes um luckily it wasn't cold but just kind of your nerves kind of start increasing as it's going along um but yeah and i so i didn't i didn't actually eat anything i think until uh, i would say like uh, probably around 6 a.m really so you had no breakfast that morning no no i no breakfast uh i think i had a red bull just to keep my eyes awake (laughs) (laughs) yeah getting up at 2 a.m to go run (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 generally down with starbucks in the morning but uh like no coffee shop was going to be open at that time so it's kind of i planned ahead and just threw a diet red bull in the in the fridge so i was ready yeah, no, that's smart. Does eating like broccoli the night before a race um, bother you at all? Or are you just so used to that amount of fiber and it doesn't yeah, affect you? Yeah, you know, I, um, again, with the fiber plus the, the coffee, generally things work pretty well in the morning. So um, I'm never like worried about like being stopped up or anything like that. So I, I was, you know, just to me, it was just another morning. I felt pretty good. And um, I, I really wasn't stressed about this race either just because it, you know, being a uh, part of the the world trail uh ultra trail um i had zero expectations about how i was going to do in the race um i thought if i cracked top 20 i'd be thrilled with that but you know i've just there's so many so many runners good runners that you haven't even heard of um and you know it's that's what you get when you go overseas you finally get to get to play the field a little bit more and see where you stack up yeah that's for sure like I always feel like every time I watch like a Golden Trail World Series video or something, I'm like, I don't know who 95% of these people are and they're all incredible yeah. runners and right. it's pretty <laughs> wild. <laughs> so so then that morning, like with your Red Bull, did you have any like, did you have any Relight or like a Vespa or anything or you just kind of just go? Vespa. Yeah, yeah, Vespa Ultra Concentrate. Um, so that's that's my go-to and I, I take it generally an hour before my race start and then every other hour uh, for the entire race. And so I'm generally bouncing off Vespa one hour and then the next hour I'll do like a spring gel or something. Um, so generally almost probably every 90 minutes to two hours is when I'm, when I'm eating. Really? So I guess then like think about it hour by hour, like, so one hour you're in taking in a Vespa, which is not, not carbs really at all. And then the next hour you're having a, a spring. So that's what, like 20 grams of carbs every two hours. Yeah, 22, somewhere around there. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll have a little munch on the, the aid stations if need be. But, um, you know, I'll just, I'll pretty much just try and stick to the plan. Um, and I, I never, I never feel depleted. Um, I am pretty good at reading my body. If it's, 
if it's a harder effort and you know I'm, i'll definitely take in more like um if it's weather for example if it's you know running in the rain and the cold um a lot more incline you know i'll double down on the calories for sure but if it's this race because of the uh, course reroute um there wasn't quite as much climbing involved and um it was a faster type race um which is not um really my strong suit i'm more of the uh you know hit the crazy you know mountainous terrain uh lots of vertical um but i've been working over the last year or two with um uh eric sensman my coach about you know getting faster and so that's really why my expectations were kind of out the window i'm like wow this is going to be a fast race and there's probably going to be a lot a lot of people faster than i am so the best thing i could do is stay consistent yeah interesting so then minus the aid stations and you just had spring the entire time and the domino's pizza yep <laughs> that's it i just uh and and I, oh i think i had like a atkins like uh, coconut chocolate bar which i found those to be really delicious um <laughs> and so i started kind of just throwing those in my, my pack um just for something different every once in a while and just kind of like a like a treat later on in the race um but yeah because it does it does kind of get boring in these, especially when you're running a hundred plus miles and you're doing the same thing over and over, but, uh, yeah, just pretty much spring and Vespa on this one. Huh. It's interesting. So at 22 grams then of carbs, I'm assuming you're taking the awesome sauce. Uh, nope. Cause I hate, no. uh, cinnamon. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, it's a fun fact. Very, uh, speed nut. Um, for some caffeine. Um, and, uh, so and speed nut has, I think more, more calories too than the rest of them um and then the long haul is is my favorite the peanut butter and banana really does the peanut butter not upset you or give you any sort of like acid reflux nope no i'm i'm pretty good um the only thing i did differently on this race was uh i i noticed <laughs> there's a section where you run in after the first uh is it like 57k or something you're coming to the aid station and uh you, you have to run through these sulfur fields and it just smells like rotten eggs everywhere mm -hmm. so i made sure not to eat or drink anything during those moments because on the first pass through i was taking a swig of water and i ran through like a sulfur cloud and it tasted like <laughs> rotten eggs essentially and uh we had to run through that area like you know four or five times and uh yeah i was i took all of my willpower not to puke my guts out because you're just you're running, you're heavy breathing, and it just stinks to high heaven. Is that sulfur field the one that's in the the redwoods that are there? Yeah, it's yeah, it's right outside the redwoods. Yeah, yeah, the place smells so bad. It's it terrible. I mean, I love New Zealand to death, but that's one thing I could have done without. Um, yeah, it just, and uh, it's not like one little pocket either. It just it extends for for like a large area, and then you know the wind shifts or something, and you just uh, you could just smell it all over town. Yeah, yeah. I remember we stayed in Rotorua for a few days, and we were out there location scouting and then filming, and it was just like, oh my gosh! Like even our hotel room smelled like that. Yep. It's like this yep. is insane. It's <laughs> it's so strong, <laughs> which it makes sense though. It's like you're right next to those sulfur pits, but yep. But yeah. So what about like hydration then? Because it, I don't know. I, and the last time we talked, we talked about um, like the, the sweat test that you and Jeff did. Um, so how did that affect your race this time? Like, are you, are you basing your hydration off of the, the sweat test? Yeah. So before the sweat test I had, um, I, you know, I, I was pretty close. So I just kind of made sure to, to stick to that. Um, the, you know, it was, it was humid and, and warm. Um, I wouldn't say quite as warm as hurt last year, but um, I, 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 d I definitely didn't stop me from just staying on point and like, it doesn't matter if it, if I feel hot or humidity, I'm just, I'm going to take in the same amount every hour and, uh, didn't cramp once during the race. Um, I, I take in, um, a salt pill every, I would say probably like three miles. And then, um, I carry, a one of my ultra spire bottles, I would carry, um, just full of water and then like a half packet of LMNT. Um, and my go-to on races now has been between aid stations. I must finish this bottle first. So this, you know, if I have water and everything else, that's fine. But I'm going to down the bottle first and then work on the water afterwards. So when I can't come into an aid station, that would be like the the first thing. You know, I know I need, I know I need to fill. 
Um, and I also, another thing that struck me a little weird during that race, um, they, a lot of people over there don't use water bottles because um, I guess, you know, a lot of them are using poles and packs. Um, but I came into an aid station and my bottle just got one of those little hand grips so you don't have to actually hold it. And uh, this, this guy comes up to me and he's like, you know, water? I was like, yes, yes, please. And he's, uh, oh, that's a clever little device. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, that's like, it's your hands. You don't have to do anything. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, it's a water bottle. I, I was like so <laughs> confused about what he was talking about. He's like, I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> Just, and um, I was talking to uh, Katie. She she lives in New Zealand. Afterwards, she's like, Oh yeah, we don't really use those down here, and they're even kind of hard to find in stores. So uh, that struck me as a little weird. But um, you know, it's and you know, in a race like that where you have to carry your pack and all that gear anyway, um, I guess it makes sense. But um, I don't like having as much stuff in my pack you know if if i can i'll just use a water bottle generally yeah i'm the same way that, that's funny that i don't know especially there being hot and humid that they don't use more handhelds because having a pack on i just sweat a ton and it's uncomfortable and i hate it so it's like why wouldn't you use handhelds there it seems yeah. kind of odd yeah but and i guess it, you know you're in pole country that's you know and they're just <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just easier that way but uh, I started out the race with, you know, uh, basically a liter and a half, and I quickly just switched it over and just had, you know, one bottle of water in my, in my vest and then used the handheld for the rest of the race. But I had the other one available just in case, it, you know, it got too hot and I needed an extra one, but um, it was enough to get me through. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so what kind of stuff, I know we kind of talked about already, but what kind of stuff do they have at the aid stations? Like anything abnormal or is it just kind of traditional like fruit and that sort of stuff yeah um oranges bananas um yeah everything was pretty much like tons of candy and stuff which i mean you find that everywhere i guess but yeah um i pretty much just stayed away from that um i was really i tried to be as quick as i could through those aid stations to be honest i wasn't paying a whole lot of attention a lot of times there was one aid station where i was kind of meandering about and um i know i needed a little sugar kick so i took in a a, a little bit of coca-cola and i was just kind of standing around it was one of the busier aid stations um about halfway through the course and it's kind of mulling about sipping on it watching everybody and then it kind of was like struck me i was like what are you doing just get your ass moving <laughs> i was enjoying it a little bit too much you know but <laughs> um co coca-cola i'll I'll take a little shot of that, you know, a couple of times towards the end of a race because it's like rocket fuel. You know, when you, you know, abstain from sugar for that long, you're just kind of eyes dilate and you're like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, like the cocaine effect of Coca-Cola, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. So did you have any sort of like, actually, let's backtrack a little bit. Did you do any other caffeine then during the race? Because if you had Coke towards the end and then you had Red Bull before, like, what was your caffeine um, intake like? Just uh, through the speed net, um, yep. through the, the gels and that. So that that was it. So I I, tr I try not to take in as much if I don't have to. Um, generally, I save it for the night hours. So I kind of hold off as long as I can. And but um, I ended up finishing this one a little quicker. And uh, I only had to. I had a little bit of night section in the morning, and then only like for another I think forty five minutes with my headlamp at night. So it was. I'm, after that i was like you know what? i think i want to do earlier right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of nice how you started you know early <laughs> yeah for real better than going through the night ending at like 4 a.m or something yeah yeah you know i think uh i think it was in bed by like nine or something it wasn't it wasn't too bad <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> so how'd the race go then overall like i don't know it sounds like it went smoothly so did you meet your goal time and then how did you do um, so I, I ended up finishing, uh, seventh overall, um, and like just under 17 hours. So I was pretty thrilled, um, with that. Um, I didn't really have any hiccups except at one part I did, uh, I did miss like the turn on the first to go into the aid station. Cause there was kind of this weird, like catty corner turn. It wasn't super well marked, but a bunch of other people missed it the first time as well. Um, but that was only like a small setback early um and yeah everything just went really well um i was 
it was fun because they had you know the 100k they had 50 miler like a 27k or something like that going on as well um, so the course was full of people so a lot of cheering and um, great motivation um, and then the last uh, the last lap I was running kind of neck and neck with Lucy uh, Bartholomew and um, God, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell if it was her at first and I, I had suspicion, um, but I just kept thinking, I was like, wow, she's a hell of a runner. And she's just motoring up this hill. And we were kind of back and forth. And then the second to last aid station, um, before you do the final climb up and down into the redwoods, um, I just I was like, well, it's now or never. And I just laid down the hammer and um, just <laughs> came, in, came in feeling strong. So I, uh, I was pretty happy with it, how everything turned out. Um, you know, in retrospect, you know, I probably could have run harder in sections, but I never asked where I was all day. wasn't a concern. Um, I was just in it to have to have fun and just do the best that I could, and um, pleasantly surprised with the result. So I'll take it. Yeah, as you should be. Like Lucy, like is like a legit runner as well. She's she's has her up and downs over the years, but like she's strong, and when she has her day, she has her day, and it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, she took the W, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she had some mishaps too. I think she um she's sponsored by Spring as well, and she I think she missed all of her Spring in shipment or something, so she had to kind of like make do, and even then she still won, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> pretty incredible. Well, that's a sign of a good ultra runner, as well, right? You just you have to adapt, and uh, the one of the nice things about kind of doing the well, I, I can't speak for her diet, but for you know the low carb type thing is a lot of times it's. You know, if for whatever reason, like last year at Run Rabbit, I did my Vespa on me, and um, you just you you adapt pretty easy. And um, if need be, then you can go to you know regular food or sugar or whatever. It's not gonna it's not gonna inhibit you because you know how to run like that. So um, I think it's good to be flexible. Yeah, thinking about that because I've been thinking a lot about this recently about like everyone's like GI issues during running and stuff and. Like, did you have gastric issues when while running before you changed up your diet to how you eat now, or was that never a problem for you? All the time. Um, generally, you know, 100K plus. Um, but yeah, just you think about it, you're just shoving that much sugar and high carbs in your body like every hour on the hour. And, uh, you know, I know you're moving, but like, would you do that to your body if you were just sitting on the couch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, my, I'll never forget at UTMB in 2018, I was at the last aid station and, uh, there was this, um, guy running it and he's filling up his two Solomon bottles entirely with Coca-Cola. And I was like, Whoa, that's a lot of Coke. He goes, well, it's a lot of fuel on just all, all race. That's all I feel. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, and, uh, you gotta wonder what the long-term effects of that are, right? You're just, you're basically just crashing your body over and over and over with all the sugar just going up and down up and down and um i don't know i i think ultra running is still relatively new and i think once this, some more studies start coming out on on different fueling method, methods i think we're going to start seeing some long-term data and uh you know I, I know you've talked about with Jeff and me before it's the biggest thing is you know by going to this low carb approach is just your recovery um not being sore you know i went out and ran 13 miles up towards mount doom like two days after after the race and felt great you know um the pacing last weekend you know everything is just comes back quickly um and you know my athletes that that i trained that they're they're starting to learn this process they're seeing like right away like the differences it's pretty it's pretty amazing yeah, it's, that's really cool to see. And I'm, I am really curious too on like, when, once we get more and more data over the years and as more people are using like inside tracker, these other things, for example, like how fueling is going to change because like, I, I think Felix even changed quite a bit since I started running. Like people, like I've, I, I don't know, I'm just mumbling my words here, but like when I did my first 50K, it was like when Chrissy, um, Chrissy Mail and these people were like super big in the sport and I looked up at them a lot and they were like eating pizza and stuff during 50Ks. Yeah. Like that's, that's wild to think about now. Cause like, I can't even imagine eating anything solid like that during a 50 K yeah. and like, and I kind of the times were slower then, but now it's like guys and girls are running like sub four hour 50 Ks and just crushing it on like nothing but a few gels. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. I, I think it has a lot to do uh, too with pace as well. Um, you know, the, the more stress that you're, you're, you know, the, the higher your heart rate and more stress you're putting on your body, the, the harder it is to digest. So 
Um, I can understand, you know, especially in like marathons and 50 Ks, why it's just, you know, gels only, um, you know, even 50 milers. And, um, but, you know, you start getting in above 50 miles or 100 K plus. And I, I really think it's just, you're playing with fire a lot of times. I think you can have a good day and everything can go right. And then, but then you have the other day where you just either crash out because you're not on top of your nutrition or you're having stomach distress. Um, just because you're just overloading it and your body just can't process it. And that goes hand in hand with your, your electrolyte balance as well. You're not getting enough salt. Um, your digestive system just kind of stops functioning. It always makes me think too about like people's blood glucose levels because everyone, like I hate this, I don't know, this phrase in the running community where it's like, oh, you just ran whatever. So eat whatever you want. And it's like, yeah. I don't think it really works that way. You can't really just burn off like a bad diet by running a 50K or something like you're not going to lose that much weight by running a 50 K. And so I'm always kind of concerned when people's everyday diet is just straight up grains and sugar. Then they race on that as well. And they just amplify that by a couple fold. And it's like, you're, you're just giving yourself diabetes essentially, but like maybe you're delaying it for a little bit. And like, I'm not an expert, but I feel like this is going to show more and more in the future that a lot of runners are going to have diabetes or other heart disease issues because of their nutrition right now. Yeah. Um, just because you're skinny doesn't mean you're healthy. Um, yeah. You know, I just, again, it's, it took me when I first was trying to lose weight, you know, I was just doing the running thing and yeah, you shed some weight and everything. And, and then you get to a certain point and you're like, and I've heard that and I've said it, it's like, you know, I can eat what I want, blah, blah, blah. And, but yeah, it catches up with you. Um, the, you know, the number one way to lose weight, nutrition, first and foremost, um, everything else comes second. Um, it's just a hard thing for people to part with. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of diets that don't work, uh, crash diets and, or maybe they work for, you know, um, like the four or five weeks or whatever that you do in it, but that they're not sustainable. Um, so that's, I think it's important to just have to look at it as a lifestyle change. You gotta, you can have the good stuff. You just gotta, you gotta abstain from it most of the time and treat it like a, you know, a treat, have it, have it every once in a while. But um, if you're actively trying to lose weight initially, um, you should definitely put that stuff on the back burner and say like, you know, for the first month and just say, okay, this is, I'm going to be really serious about this and, um, stick to the game plan. And, um, again, as a guy who lost a lot of weight, it's, it's, it takes time and it's, it's frustrating and there's a lot of ups and downs, but, um, the running is, you know, that's not, that's not going to help you in the long run. Yeah, I think though, like, and I'm sure you can like vouch for this, but like it kind of becomes a positive cycle. Like once you start eating better, you start feeling better, and then you see your running improves and your overall mood improves. And so you then you like maybe you'll like for lack of a better word, like relapse and eat a bunch of garbage. You have a binge day and you're just like, Well, I feel like trash. And then your next couple of days also feel like trash. And you notice those differences. Then you start eating real food again. And you're just like, holy cow, like I just feel so good. My running's good, my recovery is good. And so you almost just like you're, I don't know, subconsciously, your body is just like, why would I want to eat this garbage and then feel like garbage when I can eat real food that tastes good to me now? And then every other aspect of my life improves. Yep. You know, um, when I started the, the keto diet years ago, um, I was super strict for that, that first month. And then I'd start introducing things like, you know, uh, fruit and, you know, strawberries and blackberries. It never tasted sweeter. You know, and it's just like, how is this possible? I've had these before and it just, but you start cutting out all those other sugars and everything. And then you're, you quickly realize you become almost numb to it. You know, um, thing, it's things like pizza, for example, too, you just, you abstain for it so long. And then, you know, I, I, I tell anyone that's trying it just, oh, whether it's the keto or whole 30 or, or whatever you're doing, like when you're on the back end and then you start introducing those foods really pay attention to like how it makes you feel take a diary do some you know write it down because like i said the inflammation and certain things you just realize are like i was living like this day to day and this was normal you know that's <laughs> that should be a huge wake-up call when, when you when you feel like that so um it's hard it really is hard to 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 take that in on on the daily basis when you just you have nothing to compare it to so um, you have so, so much bad stuff in the food now and you really have to, you really have to look at those labels and you really have to kind of do your research because, you know, the food industry is just getting trickier and trickier and how they label things and like what's going on and they constantly changing ingredients on you. 
things that were, you know, maybe a little bit better for you years ago or now just, you know, they substitute it with, you know, high fructose corn syrup or something else, trying to make it taste the same, uh, but it's, you know, 10 times worse for the body. That's funny. I was just thinking about like sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Last night, I don't know why I was just thinking about like, man, like, remember when they were like promoting sugar as being a healthy thing, like a healthy food? And so I got on YouTube and I was looking up old sugar commercials and all these high fructose corn syrup ones came up. And it was kind of, it's like hilariously sad that like they would promote this stuff as like, oh, it's the same thing as sugar and it's good for you. It's a health product, it's health food. And it's like, holy crap, like 50 years later, we now know like definitively that like abusing sugar will will make you sick. Yeah, but people still do it. <laughs> and again, it's it, it comes with education on the, on the stuff. There's there's plenty of you know plenty of information out there um, now. Um, and I think the whole fight against fat thing is starting to to come to a head. Um, I you know the sugar the sugar industry is you know been working against this for so long, um, and it's really. It's really unfortunate and you can see everyone's you know um there are kids being born obese um there's you just can look at any any picture from like the 19 you know 60s look at woodstock and none of these people were working out and they had like you know like washboard abs you know they just that was just because that all that stuff wasn't in our food um and it should be like that now whether or not you work out like i said it's all it's all that comes down to nutrition um, the battle is constantly fighting, you know, to find the right, the good stuff. Um, you can never really go along with vegetables and, uh, and meat, but, and sorry, sorry for the vegetarians and vegans out there, but I love my meat, but, <laughs> um, yeah, the sticking to that sort of stuff is generally like whole foods are, are definitely more up your alley. Um, but you also got to be careful with the oils now too, because that's this, all those seed oils and, um, are just far more detrimental to your body. And if you're going out to eat and you're having stuff cooked, you, you, you don't know half the time what it's being, what sort of oils is being cooked in. Um, so you may go out and eat and eat, you know, what you think is something like a healthy meal. And then next day, wake up and feel wrecked. And it's probably, you know, that other poison that's coursing through your body. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause like a lot of places will have like, oh, we have organic whatever and all these things and we cook everything organically. And it's like grass head, grass finished beef. And then we're using soybean oil or canola oil on our grill. And yeah. so then that's contaminating your food. So even though you are like mostly eating healthy food, you're still getting that poison via those oils. And it, it, it's kind of insane because you're paying extra for quality, but then you're also getting these really low quality ingredients and you do feel it the next day. Yep. Absolutely. And again, you, like I said, paying extra, um, you know, eating healthy generally, you know, can, you, it, it is more expensive. I mean, you know, meats or uh, there's a lot of meat and vegetables you can get at a pretty good, good deal. Um, go to farmer's markets and get deals and stuff like that. But um, they market it, you know, and mark up the price as well. And, but a lot of times what you're eating doesn't necessarily mean it's healthier. I mean, you get, I see stuff all the time approved and blah, blah, blah or like there's no like keto committee there's no one that says like oh this is like keto approved and like it's all like bullshit <laughs> so you really have to know to how to read a label um look at the back if you generally the first uh two to three ingredients will tell you how how good that food is so if you're seeing canola oil or high fructose corn syrup that's a bad sign yeah the whole keto labeling thing just drives me insane because it's like I don't know, because technically like a bite of a Snickers bar could be keto because if you're under your net carbs for the day, you're like, well, yeah, like it's kind of keto in a sense if you ate zero carbs the rest of the day. Yeah. But like but a lot of these like manufacturers will make like a quote unquote keto friendly food and just stuff a bunch of fiber in it and like allulose and all these things. And it's like, okay, that's yeah. just a Franken food at that point. It's not real food. It's like if you just went and like bought some fruit and some vegetables and some meat or something and some raw raw dairy like your life would be so much better. You don't even need that packaging. Just, just buy whole food products and you're going to be a lot better off. Absolutely. You hit a nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. We're, we're talking to, um, I don't know if you know, Michelle Heard. we talked with her last week or we spoke with her last week. Um, so she's a dietitian and um, she's a pretty good marathon runner. She's doing ultras and stuff now, but like a lot of what we talked about was that it's like, just eat real food. Like, if you're going to buy something that's a product, one, it's going to be more expensive than buying real food. 
and even with like the price of eggs and meat nowadays, like it's still cheaper to buy buy eggs and meat and like raw dairy than it is to buy like say a quest bar or something like if you look at those like the amount of nutrition you get per pound is like it's insanely expensive you could buy high quality beef for this for way less than you could like a pound of quest bars or something yeah and things like you know the high in protein and you know like eggs and meat i mean they, they fill you up <laughs> so fast yeah. so you have a couple of eggs in the morning scramble them up and you know that's it. Like it'll hold you over. Um, same, same with meat. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I go shopping, I'd say four to five times a week. Um, to me, that's a good sign that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of planning my meals, you know, throughout the week and, uh, I'm not just kind of loading up on a bunch of shit and just kind of eating whatever. So, um, I love, I love fresh meat. You know, I don't, I don't generally buy the like frozen package stuff or anything, go to the butcher. Um, go, I go to, I shop at Sprouts a lot. So it's, uh, you can't go wrong. Just plain old meat and vegetables. Yep. What's crazy too. Like just speaking of those, like the frozen meats you can get. So like frozen meat patties and stuff. If you say you just go to Walmart, for example, I, I check this out. Oh, did my camera just shut off? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, you can still hear me though. Right. Can you hear me? Uh, now I can hear you. Okay. Oh, weird. Um, I don't know why my camera shut off, but like, it's just weird that like, you'll go and like, say you get some frozen beef patties at Walmart and you look at the ingredients, it should just be beef, but instead it's like hydrolyzed this and like 10% yeah. solution of this. It's like, what is this crap they're putting in the food, but you can just go over to the, the meat case, like five steps away and you can just get straight beef. So it's like, yeah. why would you buy those frozen, like weird patties when you can just get real patties over here? Like, I don't understand. It's, it's all for convenience for people, you know, it's just shove it in the freezer and then it's there if you need it. But I mean, I don't, you know, I, I think it's when I first started this diet and I'm like, man, I'm going to the grocery store a lot compared to when I was growing up and we could, we do like one shopping, like a month, I think growing up like a giant shop, but um, just, you know, so much like frozen food and stuff that was just absolutely bad for you. Um, so it was, it was definitely a wake up call having to do it. And now I don't even think about it. It's just, I get off work, stop by a store, grab a couple of things and then be home, but, um, feeling good every time I <laughs> cook. And the next day I don't have to worry about like, you know, my digestive, digestive tract, you know? Yeah, exactly. But let's, uh, just real quick before we wrap up, I don't want to take too much of your time, but, um, how did your recovery go after this? You said you ran a few days after or a couple of days after the event. Um, is that pretty typical for you? Like being able to essentially get back to training and like right after? Yeah. So I, yeah, after this race, well, after pretty much every race, I, uh, especially if I'm traveling, I like to do something fun. Um, you know, bringing the family up and, uh, I'm like, well, they're, they're out supporting me during this race. Uh, so we try and do something fun and wild. Um, I went whitewater rafting the day after uh, my race. <laughs> so I uh, immediately, I'd never been whitewater rafting and uh, I hopped in with um, Siska, um, my partner and, and my son and uh, my son wanted to sit up front. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. And I was a little nervous because I hadn't done, done it before. And so I got this kind of crash course on, um, whitewater rafting listening to the commands my legs were still a little little tender because i mean i think this was like eight hours after <laughs> so i uh i had a blast though we had hit some class five rapids and then some fours and threes and uh it was huge experience um and then uh i went up mountain doom and ran 13 miles the day after that i think it was interesting so what was your diet like then post-race did you kind of binge for a bit or did you uh, stay pretty strict and eat real food I, I kept it pretty, pretty normal for the first two days after. Um, and then I think, uh, yeah. And then be right before we left, I was kind of like, okay, just kind of eat whatever. Um, the unfortunate part, I, the, the last day we were there, you know, we were flying out. Um, and so, you know, airline food and airports and stuff, it's kind of really, really limited. What, by the time I got home, all I could think about was like, tomorrow I'm going to eat a normal meal i cannot wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah like get back to your routine and um make what you want to eat yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, i think i had a ribeye the next day and some broccoli and 
I was I was in heaven. <laughs> nice. Isn't it funny how like when you travel and stuff, you're like, okay, I'm gonna eat all this food and whatever, and it's great, but then you you want to just get home and make your own food in your own kitchen how you like it. Absolutely. Yep. And I'm all for like going, you know, when when I'm in other countries trying different foods. Uh and you know, like I said, I mean, you kind of take what you can get at times. Um, but you know, New Zealand wasn't too bad. I was I was happy to eat all those meat pies and and pastries, but uh just happy to be back and and get back to the normal routine. And um I'm pretty much, you know, I, I take a little break from training right afterwards. You know, I'll, I'll take a week or or two, just kind of taking it easy, some light running, but um, I'm looking already looking forward to uh, getting back out there. Nice, man. Uh, what do you have coming up next then? Uh, I'm on the wait lists for the Barkley, so kind of planning like I'm going, but we'll see what happens. Um, other than that, I don't have any, a big race till June. I'm, I'm doing the Montana Spine Race. Um, it's a 268-mile race across the Pennine Way. Uh, ends on the border of Scotland. Uh, so I'm really stoked about that. Um, I'll probably throw in a hundred mile or some time in between that just to kind of get my legs primed and ready. But um, I love the 200 plus distance. So I'm really, really excited to to go back, you know, to my homeland and see my family and uh, yeah, just kind of run the trails that I never really ran as, as a kid because I wasn't a runner. <laughs> Totally. That that race is brutal because I think you were telling me there's a summer edition and a winter edition, right? Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I went for the summer. I figured if I'm going back on holiday to see my family, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have nice weather. I didn't want to be trudging, you know, for several days through the snowstorm. Um, maybe some other time. <laughs> yeah, I'd say hard maybe on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, it's good talking to you and good to catch up for a minute. Um, we'll have to go hit the canyon sometime. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know I'm always game for that. So um, come, you know, springtime is uh, is the best time. We'll have to do that, um, like the enchantments or something too. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, let's, let's make it happen. That's on my list. I, I know we talked about it before, and I still haven't done it. So I'm 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 game. I want, this is the year. Maybe we can get uh, Browning involved too. You hear that, Browning? <laughs> Yeah, I'll send him that clip specifically, that little yeah. segment. <laughs> hey, he has a wild schedule this year, so he definitely needs some fun runs in there. That's right. Yeah, he's got a, I know he's doing that, uh, the co Coco half, so I'm, uh, <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> the Coco half. What's the actual real name for that? It's like the, um, what's uh, it called? Uh, Sedona Canyons, I think. I think it's 125. Okay, then what's the 50k or the 36 miler called? Like, um, Elden. Oh, Elden Crest, right? Elden Crest, yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. So they should just need to like Cocodona, Cocodona half, and Cocodona, what, 10th? 10k. 10K. Yeah, the Cocodona 10k. It's a 36 miler. <laughs> I hope Jamil hears that one. That'd be yeah. that's important. <laughs> it's just the uh, up and down blue dot. That's what they need to do. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you go. Um, get back to whatever you were doing, and um, we'll catch you up soon. Cool. Derek, always a pleasure, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you too, man. We'll see you later. All right, take care.